0: Welcome to the Using the Whole Whale podcast, where we learn from leaders about new ideas and digital strategies making a difference in the social impact world. This podcast is a proud production of Whole Whale, a B Corp digital agency. Thank you for joining us. Now, let's go learn something. This week on the Nonprofit News Feed, well, we are talking about turning that Amazon Smile, upside down. I was, first off, really happy to be able to come up with that subject line. Um, not as happy that this program is ending. Uh, Nick, how's it going?
1: It's going good, George. This is, I think, going to be one of those weeks where we are just focused on on one-liners and, and puns, but alas, I'll take us into the top story, which you alluded to, which is that Amazon Smile, the program that donated a purse... Portion of the proceeds from purchases on Amazon to nonprofits will be coming to a close on February 20th. This comes via reporting from NPR and other outlets. And in the history of the program, it dispersed nearly $449 million to nonprofits globally. However, the company says that the donations were spread too thin, minimizing impact. That's in quotes. Um, Amazon pointed in their statement to other efforts, such as its Housing Equity Fund to support affordable housing near its headquarters, as an example of a social impact program it was investing in. However, in the articles, smaller nonprofits said that Amazon Smile donations were helpful and would be missed. And this comes amid broader economic headwinds that the industry is facing. Amazon has announced 18,000 layoffs. Tech layoffs are now commonplace across the board. Amazon smile more like a frown these days. I'm sad to see a CSR corporate social
0: responsibility program of this magnitude get sunset in this way in short order. I've been looking on LinkedIn, um, the reactions and some folks are saying, you know, good riddance, this was a distraction for nonprofits because it sort of baits an organization into becoming an affiliate marketer, meaning you get a portion of the sales based on a trackable link and you're pushing product as opposed to your purpose. I hear that. I also see $449 million uh, across nonprofits being something meaningful. Now, yeah, you spread peanut butter too thin and it turns into nothing, right? If I were to donate that, but like, that's still just, that's a lot of money. You know, there's um, 1.5-ish million nonprofits. So I don't, I don't know that I buy that full narrative of like, it was too small to make a difference. It was part of, for some organizations, a balanced fiscal diet. It was a diversification of revenue streams. You know, it was something that they, they got and ideally didn't have to push too hard for. So bad thing, too bad. You know, I, I don't think that, I, I'm curious why, and and I'll maybe never know the reason of like the actual, like, is this a cost cutting? Is there just a change in CSR? Did they not get enough Uh, from it because uh, on the same token, it actually served them as well because guess what? Somebody was buying something from them. You It was the affiliate marketing strategy. It was actually pretty darn clever and it worked. Uh, So sad to see it go and hopefully there'll be another solution that arises, opportunity that shows up for for those
1: organizations. I agree. I agree. It can't have cost them that much money to run though, like that's the thing, right? Well, the, the other thing is like you can just sign up for an affiliate link
0: and sell things. But I think the difference also with Amazon Smile is that you could have your supporters put Amazon Smile on their purchasing. So I had it for for my nonprofit, and it was just anytime I buy I had something on Amazon, a point went that way. So I, I maybe need to backtrack on like affiliate marketing versus yeah, actually it was adding a layer that said for these customers a portion of your proceeds go
1: back to this organization so that is uniquely different actually that's fair that's fair we'll continue to see if we hear more about this maybe they'll roll out something different or new um alas we move along to our next story and this one is from abc news and others that the times up organization the me Too, the organization born out of the Me Too movement, particularly the that one in Hollywood, um, has halted operations and is shifting remaining financial resources to the Legal Defense Fund. So, Times Out has had a rough go of it, fallout from associations with Andrew Cuomo and that scandal, um, and has been something of an embattled, uh, embattled organization rather. Um, Over the past couple years and is now closing doors and and shifting that money to the Legal Defense Fund, which does uh, provide uh, resources for women in, in specific industries. But this is kind of a weird one because it's such a high profile organization that came up very quickly. I think there's probably some lessons to be learned here. George, what are those lessons and what is your take on this?
0: I wish I was smart enough to actually understand the the full implications of of this. The different narratives that I see here, one are the types of organizations that pop up in these cultural moments have a lot of headwinds later. They start off with a disproportionate amount of attention and funding upfront which certainly Times Up did, and they did remarkable work, certainly around, if we're looking at victims of Harvey Weinstein and then the way that they were able to, I'd say, update the way that victims were dealt with in these cases from a legal standpoint, and a lot of achievements there. But there's a certain type of what feels like a mutable, what goes up must come down type of physics here, where the speed at which, with which you rise to fame also seems to all but guarantee the fall from grace. It is kind of like the inverse Lindy effect. The Lindy effect is if you have been here for this long, you will probably continue to be here as coming from the run of show for Broadway Uh, productions that if a broadway production had been on you know it's a it's a wonder that cats ever stopped being on broadway because cats had been forever on broadway and it was this this joke of like once you're in the lindy cafe you will sort of never be removed um i've gone far from the topic i'm gonna come back to it so the first thought the speed with which something rises probably dictates the speed with which it falls the next is looking at organizations that need to sort of spin up with all of the overhead, with all of the infrastructure and hiring, staffing, like to create a new organization takes a lot of of work and wealth. And the fact that now at the end of it, you know, they, they talk about, and even in this quote, very simply, the Legal Defense Fund really reflects who we were not only at our inception, but really at our core. And that's a quote from uh schultzberger and that's why you know the the remaining 1.7 million dollars which is is quite small in the grand scheme of the size of the organization uh, is going back to that fund and the question i guess in my mind is you know the fund administered by the national women's law center in washington which has provided and provides legal administration help to to workers that identify as low income and 40 percent of people as color i'm I'm curious as to what the world would have looked like had Time's Up simply been a branch of that organization, how much more could have been applied to it and the, the, the learnings and the staff and that ability rolled into an existing organization rather than saying, we need a new organization. You know, Could this have been a, a campaign or a program of that legal defense fund? And those are just questions in my mind. And it's it's tough with an organization under this level of scrutiny. I, I have a hard time getting behind some of those decisions they made with you know, Andrew, Andrew Cuomo and consulting, allegedly consulting with them behind closed doors that was then later revealed by reports, uh, it's, um, it's tough. I think nonprofits are under a, a much, much greater microscope and it doesn't take much to set the, set the tide in the wrong direction because you exist at the public's will you rely on funding and funders. And if those funders are then effectively being shown as public donors, because 990s are all public, we can see donors and donations. Are you then saying, oh, a large donor has to then reconsider, like, wait a minute, am I supporting an organization that supported Andrew Cuomo? Not saying that that is a direct line, but all things being equal, it doesn't take much to hurt that reputation. And it's tough for
1: organizations that are in that frontline type of work. Uh George. I, I think that's that's a great point. You bring up a lot of different nuances and the threads there, and it makes me think that you know nonprofits have to play by different rules than businesses, right? They
0: do. They do.
1: You can't just and, go on an apology
0: tour, being like, "Hey, sorry, we fired him. We're all back to normal. Like, never mind that our news station. Maybe let this kind of go by the wayside."
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I guess we'll, we'll continue to keep an eye on this story. It'll be interesting to see how that legal defense portion of it, which is still administered by um, that uh, the other organization, the, the women's um, uh, legal organization, how that all pans out. Um, so we'll keep our listeners updated. But to that end, I will take us to our next story. And this one comes. Uh, from king5.com, and the founder of a Seattle West African immigrant nonprofit is accused of embezzling millions. Um, so uh, the the gentleman in, in question, Issa Nidaye, I apologize, because I know I'm mispronouncing that, was the founder and longtime executive director of the West African Community Council, or WACC, which is based in Seattle. Um, And after a decade of service, um, he was ousted uh, on December 16th, accused of embezzling, which is, which is, you know, terrible, terrible, Um, especially, you know, people who really, really need help. And then this long article kind of goes into it. It goes into uh, Indaye's start of the story um, as well, side of the story rather, and kind of a complicated one. But uh, George, what's your takeaway on this?
0: I look at board members for this and it's just a reminder for the fiscal responsibilities that your board members take on and I'm not saying send this article to your board members but if you are on a board if you're building a board fiscal stewardship and hiring and firing the CEO those are the primary jobs and roles of a board and so I see this and I don't look at you know the and say oh what a bad actor like there are bad actors one out of a thousand people, one out of 10,000 people are not the you know folks that you should be trusting. The job of the board is to hire and fire and make sure the right people are in there. And the fact that this was an extra bank account started in 2014, like a secret bank account and like hundreds of thousands of dollars going through there. You know, I'm looking at auditors, I'm looking at board members, looking at that. And so paying attention to those things like, oh, it can't happen here. And it, it's just a function of odds. And uh, again, I wouldn't have put this in here, actually, if it had not been for the size of the, the embezzlement, we wow, have millions of dollars. It's, it's brutal. Uh, so it's a reminder to, to board members out there that uh, while those finance meetings may be boring, and also the people preparing them, like, here's, here's what you're actually doing. Um, you're making sure money gets to the right, the right places, and you're avoiding um, tragedies like
1: this. Absolutely. I think that's a fantastic point. And we always like to keep our listeners on their toes to protect themselves from this happening at their organization. I have, our next story is an interesting one. Um, Georgia, did you know that Ikea is owned by a nonprofit? Here's the thing. I didn't know that Ikea was owned by a nonprofit.
0: Frankly, this is like a non story story, but it's fascinating because, uh, you know, in the, <laughs> the rep, people, the US sun, <laughs> and this title says, No IKEA. Uh, people are only just realizing what happens to the money IKEA makes and it's blowing their minds. I mean, first off, A plus on a hook title, but it's funny because there is a nonprofit involved and owner of the main entity. So IKEA is actually a nonprofit organization. So the money made from those, uh, you know, fun to assemble wardrobes, uh, you know, beyond paying is, is put away into, um, a nonprofit. And the charity's big mission is to further the advancement of interior design.
1: (laughs) Noble, noble.
0: uh, They're putting it out there further, the advancement of interior design. I mean, you got to believe in that mission,
1: I suppose, um, I I, I didn't have anything else here. Just, I thought it was funny. It's really funny. So the detail is Ikea stores are franchised by a company called Inga Holdings, which is fully owned by a nonprofit organization called Stitching Inga Foundation. Um, Yeah, I, (laughs) it's kind of, funny. I want to do a deep dive on this. We need like a little mini documentary on what the hell is happening. But uh, I'm willing to bet there is some criticism in the wonderful Scandinavian world about uh, whether this is truly because people are passionate about um, easy to assemble interior design pieces or whether this is some kind of uh, super duper clever uh, tax loophole that is being taken advantage of. Um, yeah. I mean, look, allows. there's some definitive, like, this is a tax play, very clearly. They
0: pay, according to Online MBA, 33 times less taxes than the average business, The Economist. The overall setup of IKEA minimizes taxes and disclosure, handsomely rewards the founding comrade Cam Prad family, and makes IKEA immune to takeover. So it's interesting uh, that when you're saying, like, this is a strategic reason, like, frankly, as a business owner, now you have me thinking, should a nonprofit own whole whale and suddenly we don't have to pay taxes? We have, I'm gonna go ahead and say a loftier mission than to improve, I'm sorry, I wanna get it accurately, to, uh, to further advance the, the advancement of interior design, further the advancement of interior design. So I would say ours is build a healthier, more just and sustainable world as an agency. I, uh, I don't know. Uh, one of the funnier quotes here is, uh, "No wonder why you got to put everything together yourself at IKEA because they rely on a bunch of volunteers to put their stuff together." So you know <laughs> they have a lot of volunteer, big volunteer. I've volunteered for
1: IKEA on more than one occasion. <laughs> Volunteering on for IKEA is a, a family pastime. Um, that's funny. Here's another one for you. Another light story. This is a good week. There's nothing too traumatic. I mean, just you know, massive embezzlement, half a billion
0: dollars of CSR stopping at Amazon. This is a good week.
1: Yeah, (laughs) this is this is a good week (laughs) for us. Okay, you're classifying good week on this. Okay, I you know maybe it's just because it's sunny out, but that is a perfect segue into our next story, where one New Jersey school asks, "What if school was outside?" all the time, every day. So New Jersey nature schools, quote unquote, are taking class outdoors, rain or shine. Um, and this article talks about bundled up kindergarten students at the star child nature school in Medford, New Jersey, outside collecting tree sap to make glue four handmade ornaments so this is an immersive you are outside you are learning you are one with nature type situation at this school and that brings us to uh the relevant question of making uh the question of nature versus nurture ever the more salient wow it's it's all it's all nature school here Uh, and I know
0: some are nonprofits, some are for-profits but there's a number of them I'll call out one quote here from the South Mountain Nature School. Our programs promote social and emotional development, instill confidence, and foster independence, said Mary Claire Sonneman, who also, in other news, happens to be my sister. And so I'm incredibly proud of my sister for starting one of these nature schools, pushing through the pandemic, and growing to the size that they have. Uh, in New Jersey. And you know, I get to see the the pictures and the approach that they take. And there's, you know, that question that comes up, well, what about when it snows? And it's like, you know, there's no bad weather, just bad apparel. So they they are out there, rain or shine. And I think this is a, a really healthy way for for young people who are inevitably going to wander into the world of screen first learning and engagement and work to realize that you know food comes from the ground sap is fun and it's
1: uh, it's great to see I'm very proud of my sister though in other news <laughs> that's super exciting george did you know that's my hometown a south mountain reservation's with, in walking distance from where i grew up now you can go over and say hi go over say hi maybe a little too old for uh nature yeah, school maybe yeah. You could volunteer, perhaps. (laughs) Love it. All right. How about a feel-good story? Yeah, what do we got? This one comes from the Philadelphia Inquirer, uh, and (laughs) it's about the Eagles, the team, not the group, uh, thought that their Christmas album would fund a toy drive, and it ended up doing so much more. So the Philadelphia Eagles of football and sports... (laughs) Came I, tell I <laughs> follow football, uh, thought that they were just raising a mere $30,000 um, for this charity toy drive when, in fact, they raised a quarter million, $250,000. quarter million. Wow. Wow. Good for them.
0: Yeah. What's nice is also going to be funding not just one, but two toy drives and a summer camp, uh, which... Objectively, I, while I respect toy drives and I like those moments, it's great to also say what about dealing with uh, the summer learning gap and supporting communities when, um, when you're needing it potentially even more. So uh, congratulations. Also, full disclosure here, Nick thought that this wasn't the team, the Eagles, but the band, uh, the Eagles, and it took him a couple of reads to realize that it was a fact about the sports ball. So Nick, I think we all learned something today. We've learned a lot. Have we? Well, before I give you a terrible joke, I have a bit of a sponsored post here and it's a a note that we are opening up our, as far as I know, we only do it once a year and it's the ad grant cohort. And we're teaching organizations how to run the ad grant, the Google ad grant, the thing that you get 10K a month in in kind ads for placing ads that drive traffic and value to your organization. We're doing a five week live cohort. This isn't pre recorded, this is hands on, and we're sharing exactly how we run this ad grant to maximize the ROI for your organization. And so we're going to help. Uh, only, I think it's limited, 25 organizations. It always sells out. Registration is now open, uh, and you can find that link in the show notes or wander around bullwhale.com slash university, and you'll find it there. All righty. Question, Nick, for you. <clears throat> Uh-oh. Why, why did the clown donate his salary? Mm, I, I don't
1: know about the clown thing, but why did the clown donate his salary?
0: all right it was a nice gesture.
1: Ah ah, ah, ah.
0: <laughs> he, see he that. sometimes he doesn't know and then we like go off. Nick, did you actually get this one or is it gonna be the one where you like
1: pause and you're like, I didn't get it. Explain it to me. I I got this one. I'm a huge <laughs> Shakespeare stan. I am very familiar with a court gesture. And this was okay. Yes, but offering to explain was as well a nice gesture. Um, sometimes <laughs> I just I wanted g- to do it because I feel like I cut off him like this would have been much funnier if he didn't
0: understand it he's like I laugh I don't get it all right <laughs> thanks for humoring me and this is what you get for staying to the end of the podcast leave us a review thank you
1: bye bye
0: this has been using the whole whale podcast if you want to keep learning more about these topics and others head on over to wholewhale.com slash university to keep learning with us Thanks as always to GregThomasMusic.org for his tunes that underwrite our tracks. They're fantastic. Hope you're doing well, Greg. And just a reminder, subscribes really help us on any platform that you listen to us on. Please give a thought to click and subscribe and maybe even a comment because we like hearing from you.